Hello, Flynnvar here, and boy do I have a sales for you. We finally passed our trials, and all of us got our amulets back. But then, the white door in the room turned out to be the Mother Mimic just pretending. Huh, it was a hard fight, even with our magic back. But eventually we burned her down. <laughs> uh, the weird lumpy guy was the judge, and was ringing all the chimes in the room. And when he did it, some kind of broken portal opened, and let more Mimics in. We spent some time checking out this huge painting of bugs tending to a tree. I I just know it all adds up to something somehow. The mimics, the trials, the amulets, the portal, and the tree. But we just couldn't figure out what it means. And then it was time to go back up to the surface. Ooh, and maybe time for some R&R before we start climbing that mountain. Everybody and welcome to the terrible adventures of the Janice and Brefford's Parchment Company, episode forty-five. Wow. Guys, we did it. We finally made it to forty-five, which is a significant number for some reason. This is the, <laughs> <laughs> this is the first episode of the eighth arc of the show called Hearth and Wellbeing. And if you say it well-being, then it's incorrect. It's well-being. Well-being. Yeah. My name is Penny D. I will be your DM, and my favorite song to bop to is currently "The Way You Used to Do" by Queens of the Stone Age. It's a like hard guitar jam and it makes me do the thing with the lips when you're moving where you're like scrunch your face up and you're like <laughs> oh, yeah. the the listening audience wouldn't have heard that but if you ever you know just if you see me in public just come up behind me and start playing that song and then you'll be able to know what that what the facial see. expression yeah. was <laughs> it was a lot to look at <laughs> it was very good to yeah ex- excellent excellent i'm sorry your facial expression is cracking me up she has I'm funny fashion. in every way. <laughs> oh my god. I had a really busy day yesterday. I'm so tired. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> Doesn't be fun. <laughs> Hi, my name's Liz, and I play your favorite dwarf barbarian, Karen. And my song that I'm bopping to at the moment is well, when I'm not here, my day job is <laughs> I'm an art aerobics instructor, and I've been putting a lot of S Club 7 on the playlist recently. <laughs> and everybody in the pool, they're loving it. They love a don't give up. They love an S Club party. It's it's been a really good time. What what's the third S Club Seven song? Reach for the stars. Reach for the stars. Oh, damn. Obviously, okay. you know. I do like how I recommended Sweet Caroline, and you're like, no, no one's gonna like that. And then it, it, it builds. It's like it's on my it's on my repeat playlist. <laughs> is that your one for the for the bop of the moment? No, it's not actually. But <laughs> why don't you tell us what it is? Uh, my bop at the moment is okay. So if you are familiar with the notorious B.I.G.B. Smalls. He sings a song called Can I Get Witcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I found a remix. Oh, I love um, remix. And it's, uh, it, <laughs> I can't even describe what it's like because it's. What is the name of the remix? So people can look it up. The Andrew Gentry remix. Okay. And I think he mixes in like a different song. Sort of like so the melody is a bit different because I tried to listen to the original. I'm like this doesn't have the same beat, but this one I'm just like walking to work because I live in a big city and I have to take public transport. I'm just walking to work and I'm just like, yeah, can I get <laughs> gangster rap? And I'm. What's your name and character? 
Oh, yeah, sorry. My name is Stephanie, <laughs> and I play the sweet, lovable Frankie. Oh, we all love him. We all love him. Uh, He's hard not to love. Yeah. Can I get with you? Andrew Gentry remix. Look it up. Hell yeah. Hi, I'm Poppy. I play Ida for the Tiefling Rogue. It depends on what, like... Okay, so I listen to some very niche kind of music. <laughs> a lot of comedy. So there's a band called Ninja Sex Party. Ah, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> they have great covers. There's nothing oh funny God. about some of how good some of their covers some are. Of their cover, like, some of their covers I prefer to the actual songs. Yeah, they got but, a great cover of Africa. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, sorry, that, it's, not my, it's not my turn. You talk about your music. <laughs> One of my very favorite songs. Okay, I'll, I'll mention two because I can. One of them is called Parents House, which is an absolute bop. Like, it's just so like it's just a great song but there's also one called thunder and lightning which is just danny the lead singer talking about his balls oh my god but it's really really good it's Are like his a balls glam named rock. thunder and lightning yeah okay and he makes a little tiny cape for them anyway there's a lot of backstory but ninja sex party is just a great band <laughs> hard to follow um, hi, I'm Nathan, and I play your most sales enthusiast halfling bard, Flinva. <laughs> so the darkness, I believe the thing called love. Absolutely. Oh, oh my god. Stone Cold Banger for the ages. I just enjoy it most doing the like the high pitched like. I'm not doing the do podcast. It? Yeah, do it for the podcast. No. Do it for the it's podcast. <laughs> I always <laughs> mixed up. The... <laughs> but so just one question while we're on it: Does anyone else ever get the darkness and Sister Sisters mixed up? Yes, yes all the time. You. I'm glad I'm not alone in that because I always do. And the second one is Shut Up and Dance with Me by. Full, whatever, full moon or whatever called. Uh, I haven't even that song. Earth. But you can dance to dance it without to the knowing moon the name or of the artist. So. But it's also one of the only songs that like I can always convince Cece to like get up and dance with me with. She's Aww. not. She's not. Oh she's not no, actually dancing. that is really cute. I can see that. <laughs> you guys dance to that indie band. Walk the moon. Oh yes, that's the one. That's the one. I knew it. I did quickly Google. I did quickly Google. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, she's like, wait a minute. Because because I know they also made Anna Sun, which I always I'm like, is it Walk the Sun or Walk the Moon or Anna Moon or where are they going? Yeah, Empire of the Sun. And I'd just like to throw out just like one, you know, special mention to an extra banger, which is Jeffrey Bezos by by Bo Burnham, oh, which Bo is Burnham, the one yeah. that, where he like cuts out <laughs> mid-scream <laughs> after <laughs> the first <laughs> chorus. It's very, very good. What a Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey <laughs> Bezos. All right. I did watch that special and everyone was like, it's so funny. And I watched it stone-faced the entire time. Well, it's like, a bit feeling, tragic. Feeling extremely sad yeah, throughout the whole thing. Though, right? And everyone so, was like, it's so funny. I laugh so much. And I was like, where? <laughs> when? Okay, when did you laugh? Hang on, this isn't a Bo Burnham debating podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is a D&D podcast. We're about to start a new arc. Who wants to play some Dungeons and Dragons? Let's Me. play. We're going to pick back up in Titan Slumber. It's been... Actually, why don't you tell me? How many days has it been between... When we finished the arc, when you guys came out of the grotto, mm. to the point that you are now ready to carry on towards Tarago Nook. How, how long is it? Been? How many days do you guys think we could survive in a hippie festival? Not long. Maybe about half an hour. Yeah, I'm saying like t- two days absolute max. Absolute max. And that's if we have like a tent that's on the outskirts yeah. where no one's bothering us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So definitely take... A long rest for anyone who hasn't done that yet. Fantastic. Two days, Thank which you. is great because I have the Welby misbehavior table too. <laughs> <laughs> that I wanted to see how many times we were going to roll on that table. While you're in town, 
Is there anything that you would like to achieve? Anything you'd like to roll on? Anything you'd like to go shopping for? Obviously, we're not at Murphy's, so we're just sticking to non-magical items. But if anyone wants to up their stocks or prepare for the big mountain climb that you're about to do, now would be the time to do that while you're in town for two days. Yeah, Frankie wants to buy shield and armor. Okay. Because he's going to use some of his infusions for once. Whoa. So I'll say 20 gold for both of those. Okay. What kind of armor are you going to get? And is it multicolored because we're at a hippie festival? <laughs> I mean, he'd probably buy dyed. it and be like, oh, no, I don't want it multicolored, but because it's a, a festival, he doesn't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be a breastplate. Wait, 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 Steph, 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 wait. It's airbrushed with like a with like a butterfly or a dragon or something on it. What's, oh, what's the airbrush? What's the airbrush? It's got a dream catcher on it's it. <laughs> yeah. Awful. Because you know how you can get those, like it's airbrushed and then it has like your name in that <laughs> weird. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know, live, laugh, love or something like weird. And he's like, ah, this isn't what I wanted. But then he also can't read because it's in that weird font. And he's like, ah, that, that probably says, I don't know, strong brave man or something but it's like i don't know follow your dreams or like unicorn or or something (laughs) weird like that follow your dreams unicorn yeah Uh, anything else you'd like to achieve or roll on while you're here no i don't think so karen hates this place okay so i just have a question um well not a question uh a comment really um in relation to my infusions yeah Oh yeah, yeah, you want to do some infusions, let's hear it. I'm infusing the breastplate and the shield, so the shield will activate like Iron Man slash dual disc cool. system on my on my arm. But with the breastplate, there's reaction that comes with that. Okay. So it says whenever the creature fails a con saving throw to maintain a concentration spell, it can use its reaction to succeed instead, expending oh, one charge. Cool. Nice. So there's four charges, and it only resets if I reset the infusion. Okay, that's good to know. But I just wanted you to know that. So I'm like, ah, I use my reaction to succeed, and you're like, that's cheating. No, that's good. I really like that. And which infusion does the shield have on it? I'm pretty sure you can put improved defense on it for plus one AC if that's what you want to do. That's what it is, yeah. So that's why my armor class with the breastplate and the shield activated is 20. Cool. Does anybody else have anything that they'd like to achieve in town before we move on to the well behavior table? So I think that Ido would just have a bit of a scope around and see if there's any animals that he can kind of like learn off. Because I think it would be good to like increase his repertoire. So there are not too many, because this is such like a populated space, that you, there are the animals that you would find are like pigeons, rats, raccoons. If you didn't have a raccoon, I was going to say morph because I'm an Animorphs fan. If you, <laughs> didn't, if you didn't have a raccoon wild shape before, you certainly have one now. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And actually, I will specifically think, because we're at the base of a mountain, if I go slightly out of the area, do I see goats? Yeah, roll me a nature check. Yes. That is... 17. Yeah, 17. You do catch a couple of mountain goats. Some of the ones that live in the lower mountain, they do sort of come in and eat a lot of the garbage that's left around. Also, Idafer, while we're on the topic of you, Bardo Bardo tracks you down and offers you some modeling work where you pretty much just have to stand still for an entire day while you are drawn in different outfits. Do you accept? I ask her how much she's going to pay me for it. I think that would be... Flynn's your agent, right? So... I ask her. Yeah, she, I don't talk to her directly. <laughs> okay, so we'll kind of move into Flynn. Flynn Bardo Bordeaux tracks you down and asks if your client's <laughs> going to do some modeling work. Do you accept? After some making her work for it, yes. Some negotiations. Okay. Yeah. Roll me a persuasion check. <laughs> 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 yes! High five. High so five me. I rolled a, ni- a net 20. And then oh, shit. 
Okay, this is gonna go both ways, right? You are able to get 500 gold out of her up front. She does do a day's modeling, but she also owns his image. So that's the that's the caveat is that for one day's modeling, but also because there's no photography, she can draw him. So she probably spent half a day drawing him from every angle so that so that they, she can then use his image in all of her subsequent advertising without needing him to model. Do you accept? I think I would actually put a limited liability clause in that, so there'd be a certain time frame that she could choose that. How many years? Two. Okay, she accepts. Yeah, you rolled a natural 20, so I wanted to give you a big payout, but she she's not dumb. She wouldn't just like, oh, yeah, here you go for over dollar for one day. Like, <laughs> no. You're reporting to me how much she was going to pay? Yeah. How much is she going to pay? 500. 500 for a two-year use of your image. And I think because she's hoping that after two years you'll become irrelevant and she'll get her use of it, but it won't. No, you're right. I'm the timeless classic. Flynn <laughs> <laughs> just kind of nods like, go. But honestly, because you're my friend, Flynn, we'll just go 50-50, hey? Both of you can add 250 gold to your inventories. Nice Thank you. Flynn, while we're on you, is there anything that you'd like to buy or shopping for? Weapons, armor, anything like that? I wanted to try and do some sales, but having failed to kind of... I would think that they're, they're happy, so they wouldn't have had much use for, like, business cards. Frankie would have been looking, uh, researching at tiny rollable paper that can be... <laughs> Easily burnt. Okay, so Frankie invented blunts. <laughs> oh, oh, my <laughs> goodness. Of course it was Frankie. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Flynn selling the blunts. <laughs> so, Flynn, are you saying you want to try and sell some paper here? Yeah. Roll me a quick persuasion check. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was another natural <laughs> So. So 32 in all total. Okay, you are very successful. Not only do you manage to make a good deal with Bardo Bordeaux, because she is a she is an advertiser, so you can add another 300 gold. Just to be clear, you get 300 gold from her for paper, but when you get back to the city, some of that has to go to the Janison Records Parchment Company because you don't get to pocket every you don't get to pocket the entire fee, right? Okay. So let's <laughs> say like, 250 of that has to go back to JBPC when you're. <laughs> and Karen's watching, so if you start embezzling, she's gonna she's gonna know. And we'll say with a natural 20 as an additional, you also set up like a proper trade route of people who are going to come from here to the Jason Breakfast Parchment Company in Yumea City and purchase from the factory, which you will be getting commissions from. <laughs> Because you set you set that up, nice. you don't get any current money from it. But once those orders start coming in, you get you'll get paid for that. Can't believe you got two natural twenties in a row. Is that dice weighted? No, it's it's also the one that I don't normally use. I normally use my green one. And I use my blue one. Cheating. <laughs> Karen, what do you like? What do, what would you like to achieve while you are in town for two days? Karen is buying mountaineering equipment for everybody. We are, we're all going to get a set of crampons, we're all going to get a set of pickaxes, we're all going to get ropes. I'd like to buy four sets of climbers kits. Cool, so 12 gold for those. Flinvar, can you please roll me a d8 and can you also pick another player to also roll a d8 for the two days that you're here to Frankie. see what Welby gets up to? Frankie. Okay. Four. Okay. While you guys are settling the modeling contract with Bardo Bordeaux, Idafa accidentally sits on an invisible napping Welby <gasps> and gets bitten <gasps> by the surprise dragon. <laughs> the following day, Bardo begins selling pants with fashionable bite holes uh, in, in the posterior. Because nice. um, you sort of played it off and they were like, oh damn, that's a statement. Like your ass is delicious or something. You rolled a five. Karen is browsing merch tents looking for some gifts to bring home to her children. Yes. And she puts back an expensive 
expensive bracelet that she really wanted, knowing that it's not worth the inflated price. That's oh, no. true. Later, Welby uncloaks and places it on your pillow, chirping proudly. Oh! <laughs> That's my little thief. I love Welby. Welby, you know I can't keep this. You should take it back, darling. <laughs> but on the other hand, if I do see you halfway up the mountain wearing that as a necklace... I, I suppose I won't be able to do anything about it then, will I? <laughs> After two days, it is now time to move on. You gather up your belongings, you sell off anything that you don't want to carry, and then it's time to head up the mountain toward Taradago Nook. I would like you guys to decide between yourselves either a group or individual survival checks. All for one or one for all. Mm, yeah. do a group check? Let's rip ourselves I together. I think we should do a group check. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cool, everybody roll me a survival check and we're going to add them up together and divide them by four. Especially if I does a goat. I'm not currently a goat. Karen got a 16. Ida got an unnatural 20. Frankie got a 9. Flint also got a 9. <laughs> okay, so two highs and two lows. So, luckily though, this is the this is the lower part of the mountain. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Unlucky. Mixed. You know, climbing up the, the low scrub, it's not super snowy here. You, your time at the hives has made you used to this kind of sort of off-road trekking. Everyone knows the drill, and despite the fact that a small crowd of festival goers tries to follow you out of town, Forrest Gump style, you know they're, they're you know playing instruments and singing songs and, and kind of like following you like a little band of. Because we are their new mart. That's right. Yeah, you guys did do something really impressive in the town, and they all saw it. <laughs> you do manage to leave most of them behind, and you make it all the way to the beginning of the snow in only one full day. How do you guys set up camp? Who takes watch? Who has what roles? The first thing I do is I send the remaining stragglers back, and I do that by threatening to shove their trumpets down their throats. Okay. I would have just given them camp chores. <laughs> okay, roll me an intimidation check, Karen. 18. Yeah, that's fine. All the ones, like, everyone that you can see that was following you, and you know some of them had, like, jangly sticks and stuff, they, they all turn around and go back to Tarago Nook. Good. And they no longer think that you're neat. Mm, I don't want to hear any more scar. <laughs> <laughs> so that is Karen's role, setting up the camp, getting rid of the extras. Uh, how the, what are the rest of you doing? Flynn would go gather firewood. Okay, roll me a survival check. 17. Yeah, so you do manage to gather up a little bit of firewood. And with the 17, you get, you get a little bit extra. You think as you go up and you, as you, once you get into the snow, you might not be able to find dry firewood. Who's on watch? Yeah, I'll be on watch. I'll set up in a tree. You have dark vision, right? Cool. I want you to roll me a perception check with advantage. What did you get, Poppy? I got an actual 20. Cool. We will come back. And also, there's going to be a second and a third watch as well. Idif is just on first watch, so you guys have to decide between yourselves. And Frankie, what are you doing to set up the camp? Frankie would just be trying to put together, like, the tents and stuff. He's like, I'm pretty sure I did Boy Scout. Roll me a dexterity check. Oh, jeez. Frankie got an 11. 11? It's a tent. I wouldn't call it, like, a luxury camping experience, but there are there is canvas. It is It has up to it. It, it's got got some up. There are sticks. Yeah, there's, there's sticks. I wouldn't say that it's airtight, but it's at least you know sheltered from the elements. And your your party has should have learned by now not to put you in charge of this. Yes, so <laughs> this is their fault. But he's the inventor. Yeah, he's like yes, yes. I can. I know how to invent things but that tents nobody's have ever seen before. already been invented. Of course I can put up a tent. And every time <laughs> exactly. we're like, yeah. Okay. And then Frankie <laughs> just stands back and admires his work. And the tent is only just like holding on. <laughs> like if a small bird lands on, it's just going to collapse. <laughs> He's like, yeah. Frankie, did you, did you put weenie sausages in your rations? I don't think that's a very good idea. 
They're meant to be chilled. And I know it's chilly up here. I live like but it hasn't been chilly now. in your bag. I take risks. Mm. Frankie, roll me a nature check. I'm actually quite good at that. That's a not natural 20. Yeah, your weenies are still fresh. Yeah. You've managed to like use like a certain type of wax paper that you talked mm-hmm. about once upon a time. Yeah. Them fairly airtight. No air's been able to get in there. That's right. And when we stop, I bury them in the in the ground because of the permafrost. Ah. <laughs> you know, it keeps it kind of chill. So. Awesome. Well, I've got some hard tech and some cheese that we could mount together and have savory s'mores. I mean, yeah, okay. To go with the I, I didn't buy marshmallows. Savory s'mores. Yeah, cheese and I've got That's, cheese and hard tech. I want and not weenies. And weenies. Yeah, we'll just yeah. I, I'd like to imagine everyone's like sitting around the fire and there's and then Frankie's like catches actual fire and he's like ah and then he's just burnt and he's sad. Idafa, you rolled an unnatural twenty for your watch, right? I did. So while this is going on, yes. While this Dennis the Menace shenanigans <laughs> is happening at the campfire. You notice, like, maybe 200 feet away, there's another fire. You can't really see... Like, it's definitely another campfire. And you're pretty sure that Karen chased all the followers away. But someone else has set up camp. Just, like, if you weren't really looking for it, you'd probably miss it because it's kind of behind, a, like, a rock formation. But there's definitely another campfire, like, 200 feet, like, down back the way you came. Oh, man. And they definitely know we're here as well because we have not been quiet. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm gonna jump down from my tree because I've been sitting up there, kind of like Lost Boys style, like, meh, meh, meh. I don't want to hang out with Wendy. Oh my god. <laughs> They're called the Lost Boys, right? Yeah. Yeah, good. So I pop down, I'm like, guys, there's another camp. I'm gonna scope it out, but I need you guys to keep an eye on this place and, like, keep it up, like, watch my back. I have your six. Are you going to be an, an animal scoping out? Or? S- scream loudly in the animal voice if. He, if the person at the campsite tries to eat you, I suppose. Wait, what animal would be first? Because if there's just a random noise, we'll be like, panic, and it'll just be a kookaburra. The famous fantasy alpine kookaburra. While I'm standing in front of you guys, I've, I feel like I've finished saying what I need to say, so I turn to a raccoon and I jump into the tree. Oh, it's so cute! Okay, so you're going to go and check out this other camp? Yes. Also, I did find... So what is the raccoon's speed? 30 feet, 20 feet climbing. Okay, yeah, so you very easily would make it over it's only 200 feet away over to this campsite and uh, just roll me a quick stealth check just to see if you can get because you got to go like around a rock formation to find out whose fire this is oh no oh no oh that's no a, that's a 12 okay i'm gonna roll a perception check you do like kind of at one point you're not quite used to the raccoon body and there's a little bit of ice on one of the rocks and you do like oh no. slip and fall on your raccoon butt oh it doesn't hurt you. It just made a little bit of noise. And you go around to the camp and you have a look around. There's definitely like a single person camping here, but you can't see anyone. Oh my God, Idafa, they're single. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> There's a solo, a solo person camping here. You don't know what they look like yet. <laughs> because I am a raccoon and they're like kind of known for kind of going through shit, I am going to kind of ruffle, rustle through their things. <laughs> Like, have a look in the tent and just... Roll me an investigation check. That's an 18. There's not much. Like, this person travels pretty light. There, You do find a diary written in a language that you don't understand. Your earring doesn't help you with written language, so... But it seems to be whoever is... Whoever camps here spends a lot of time probably journaling. 
other than that you don't get a lot there's like a large like, black iron sword kind of leaning up against one of the well, like a rock nearby okay i would like to take the diary and then head back to camp <laughs> okay thief you go to take the diary you pull it out and you go to like scoot away with it and then someone deactivates their invisibility oh and snatches it away from you and what you can see is uh what looks like a dinosaur in black arm <gasps> oh cool so you actually saw this person once yeah before. i was gonna say this yeah. is when you came out of the grotto there was a guy that or a person that looked like they were wearing all black heavy armor full play armor and their head kind of looked like a dinosaur like dragonborn dragonborn yeah, but yeah. not like dragonborn oh you would be able to tell if it was a dragonborn because you've met you, you've seen a few of them now. And stuff, yeah, yeah. yeah this is no, this is not a dragonborn it's a dinosaur but all you can see is like the head and neck and it takes the book back from you and it kind of like doesn't kick you but it uses its foot like to like you shoo you out yeah. and it's like Get out of here. I make annoyed raccoon noises. And then it also like throws you like a little bit of like cooked meat that it was eating. And it's like, get out of here. That's not how you get rid of it. But it does seem, it does like, it's not like trying to kill you or anything. It just like shoes you away. When it hands me the cooked meat, I'm going to grab it gratefully and like look back at it and be like, like just look that, you know, like, like a grateful little raccoon. However that would be. Maybe I put my hands together and be like, and kind of be like, oh, thank you so much. Oh my God. <laughs> like a little Disney character? Yeah, like a little Disney character. <laughs> Roll me a performance check. Okay. If you had have just left, you would have been fine. But now that you're like trying to communicate with him. That's a 24. Oh okay. gosh. He <laughs> stares at you because really he's like, that's a little strange, but okay. <laughs> uh, but no, doesn't say or do anything else. He just kind of sits with his back to you and just carries on. Okay, I'm going to grab the cooked meat. I'm going to eat it because it sounds delicious. Oh, this is an important question. Can Idafa down at, at the dinosaurs campsite, can he hear us arguing about, I don't know what we're going to be arguing about Extremely at this point. yes. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no need for <laughs> persuasion role. There's nothing else. Sorry, there's no, no need for a perception role. There's nothing else around here and you guys are shouting at each other. <laughs> and you're only 200 feet away. So yeah, Ida gets back down to the camp. He's just chewing on his piece of cooked meat, which is delicious. That dinosaur really good at cooking um i'm adding this to the canon so if if you specifically wrote they're not good at it they are now i'll make a note uh when you get back to camp do you tell everyone what you saw yeah yeah i immediately transform back cool everybody roll me a history check frankie rolled a 28 okay wow karen rolled an 11 okay finn got a 16 okay and otto just got a six yeah, so Frankie, you know a little something about the 11 races of the Republic of Toth. And one of them, this, like, Dragonborn are their own, like, are their own thing. And you've you've got enough description out of it. And Ida has told you, like, it doesn't feel like Dear Wayne. You recently spent time with Six. This feels a little bit different. And you would guess that this person is probably a lizard folk. Based on the description, the frills and the, like, coloring and stuff. Cool. Um, that would be your guess. Frankie pulls out a book beginner's guide to toth and he's like uh actually in chapter six when he you know he shows everyone the different races and there's like you know a, a, a different picture for like and he's like oh and they're here and then uh so that looks like it might be a lizard folk i'm like yeah that's pr- like it, obviously like they were a bit different colored and stuff but pretty much the same thing yeah haven't we seen them before at the at the festival they didn't look like they were there to smoke weed and listen to music i'll be honest i didn't really notice much after all of that 
I was just kind of in a daze. That's um, fair. But cool that you have seen it. Yeah, Him? I'm pretty I sure. Don't know. I'm, I'm not sure either, but I'm pretty sure they were in the crowd when we emerged from the darkness. Well, I can confirm he's really lovely. Like, I was snooping around in his tent. I was going to steal something. Mm-hmm. And he... You seem disappointed, Karen? (laughs) 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 Um, But anyway, yeah, but he... Oh, also, he can turn invisible. Just just so you know. That's that's good to know, rather than... Yeah, because I couldn't see anyone when I went there, but then he made himself visible again when I was stealing his diary. And instead of killing me, which he well could have, and something that I probably would have done, he just, like, nudged me out and he fed me. And he's a good cook. To be fair, though, Idafa, you were a raccoon at the time, and I can't imagine you ever harming a raccoon either. No, I guess you're right. I think I like to think I'm stronger than I am. <laughs> you do have a soft spot for animals, I but don't think I, I don't think that's a weak. I don't think that's a weakness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <it> <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, this lizard folk seems actually really nice. We should probably go say hi. Let's let's maybe see what happens in the morning. I I'm not sure how I would react to a stranger approaching my campsite in the middle of the night. Oh, so true. Yeah, maybe a we weird should, time. Yes, maybe we should do that under the cover of daylight. The cover of daylight. Yes. Yep. Would I know with my history check, lizard people are they usually friendly towards strangers, or are they like? Mm. You know a little because you've only read Yemison books, right? So you haven't had any first-hand experience, and nor have the people who wrote the books. <laughs> lizard folk are a little separated from a lot of the other mortal races. Like they don't have, they don't have a concept of cannibalism. So they will just like eat people if, oh. the, if the meat is available. <laughs> That's fair. Well, it's not cannibalism unless it's your own species, is it? Oh, they'll eat other lizard folk if the meat is available <laughs> oh, to me as well. Oh, gotcha, okay. Um, Waste not, whatnot. But that's like the really, like the only thing specific to their culture where like a lot of the thing you read in the book is about Toth in general. Okay. That's kind of what, a lot of the book is sort of fairly negative and sort of talks down to the monstrous races. It's a little bit propaganda-y, but that's one thing that you do know is that, oh, they don't have a concept of cannibalism. They might eat you if you were if you were a, a meal to them. Yeah, so you guys camp up. Idafa, you keep an eye on the fire for the next couple of hours and eventually it does go out. And who takes the second watch? Karen will take second watch. That was a bad roll. You can have advantage because you have dark vision. Yes. Two bad rolls. Karen got a 13. It's a pretty quiet night. Idafa points out to you where the fire should be, but it doesn't it doesn't reignite. It's quiet. You can, down the mountain, you can see the lights of Titan Slumber. Um, you're still going. You can't, like, see, like, fireworks or anything like that. But you can just see where the town is. Quite a lot further away. Like, a lot further away just because of where you are on the mountain. You can see, like, a glowing that you think might be your city. But hmm. you don't see anything in the, in the like, close vicinity. Who takes watch after you? I'll take the third. Okay. So, Flynnvar, you're woken up pre-dawn to take the third watch. Go ahead and roll me a perception check. You can have disadvantage because you don't have dark vision. Well, you're not going to roll worse than that. Was one of them a natural one? Yeah. So you can roll that again because you are a half. Four. <laughs> so, nine. Yeah. Same. Like, Karen like, wakes you up and you spend a few minutes with both of you awake and Karen kind of points out the time of day that it is. Titan Slumber has gotten a lot darker. A lot of the lights have gone out. But, like, the mere city hasn't. Like, it's still the same kind of glow of that, like, light pollution of like a big city that kind of never sleeps but no you you take the next couple of hours on watch and you don't notice anything the sun rises in a couple of hours and get everybody up and you pack up the tent the best you can because it, it doesn't go back in the box correctly <laughs> it <laughs> never does it never does uh, yeah, yeah you head on you, uh, you you pack up what's happening now are you heading continuing up the mountain 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to continue if you guys are. I am. So the climb now gets harder with the snow and the more vertical path. What strategies are you all taking to avoid the cold? And and like, what strategies are you taking with your traveling? So we'll be moving a lot slower. Karen will be taking everybody on kind of a zigzag path up the mountain. Good choice. So we will be moving maybe maybe an hour we'll we'll get maybe you know five ten meters in elevation depending on how hard it is because we're we're taking quite big zigzag movements to not have to climb up a mountain terrible terrible climbing up a mountain roll me a group athletics check for can this i next leg. for oh, that yes. add my intelligence modifier by using flash of genius so you would have to use it four times for the group so i would use it for everyone and just be like hey if you guys I don't know, walk hill to toe and avoid the gravelly parts. That'd be really good. Thank you, Frankie. So plus five. 28. I don't got 12. Frankie got nine. <laughs> Karen got a 27. Okay, so the people that you would expect to be good at this. Good at this. <laughs> it kind of evens out, right? We got two extreme successes and two sort of like low success to failure. The group of you together taking turns with Karen at the front and Flinvara at the back and, you know, well be helping out a little bit with helping you to keep watch. Cute. Manage to do, using the strategy of zigzagging your way up the mountain, you do manage to make fairly good progress. After about four hours, Flinvara well be chirps to you and, and gives you a, like, gives you the emoji of, like, the down emoji and you turn around and you look back and you can see, like, a flash of light coming off something metal coming from downhill. Oh, I'm gonna, like, tap tap pass it on and be like it, it seems like we've been followed yeah so okay so you tap frankie on the shoulder and you mention hey i think we're being followed yeah yep. pass it on frankie taps ido on the shoulder i think we're being followed oh pass it on ido would like to can you do his own perception yeah go ahead anyone who wants to can do a perception oh, check okay yeah i'll do that also. with the snow and stuff it's a little glary so it's hard it's kind of a difficult check but you, it's not that far 22 i got a 17 you with the height advantage that you have over flinvar because maybe he's like a little bit submerged in the snow a little bit <laughs> oh cute you see what looks like the lizard folk from last night he is on what what can only be described as a gigantic mountain goat like one that would be like twice as large as one that you have seen before and he is following your path and he seems to be watching you through a telescope has anybody told karen that we're being followed yet Not no yet. You're, you're charging forwards cool i guess i've seen him i'm like karen we're being followed oh by that that lizard folk? The lizard folk yeah hmm. well it's as good a time as any to take a break and wait for him to come to us, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. How long do you wait? Yeah, uh, Karen's going to find a, I don't know, an outcropping, a rocky outcropping where she can sit everybody down and we can have a horrible snack of is bar. More hard tack. Hard tack bar or whatever it is, muesli bar. While we're sitting down, can uh, Frankie just pick up a couple of pebbles? Yeah, of course. For reasons, don't worry about it. Actually, Frankie, you go over to the, the nearest ledge and you start scooping up pebbles and you're like hit over the head with deja vu of like, you're, you're looking around and like something in your head is like, I've been exactly here before. Can you roll me just an intelligence check? I just want like a memory check. That's a 12. You're looking out, you know, you're standing on the edge of this cliff and you're looking out over the like sprawling metropolis of Emir City and you think like have I dreamed about being here before and you say it out loud 
And Flinvar, can you roll me an intelligence check with advantage? Terrible. Tim. Frankie's saying this to you, and you're like, I actually know what you mean. I had a dream about this place. Oh, the bird. Because these guys have mentioned the bird to us, haven't they? Yeah, do you mean the bird one? But after Artifice says that, you like stop and look, and you're like, that's where the naked man was sitting. Like, <gasps> right here. Like, exactly here. And Flinvar, your version of this dream had like a figure coming up behind the figure. Like, because both of your dreams involved an old naked man sitting on the edge of this cliff uh, and like rapidly dying and decaying and like m- kind of like melting down into a skeleton, right? Both of you have had this dream. And it was exactly here. Frankie sits down exactly like the naked man. I'm going to stand in front of you to look behind you just in case something behind you killed the naked man. <laughs> and Frankie, do you remember what happened in your dream? Frankie probably remembers, but Steph yeah. does not. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's a long time ago. It was in arc one that you had this dream. Oh, so. Yeah. so what you remember from this dream is that there was a man sitting here. His spirit separated itself from his body. And then his body that was left behind died and decayed as time like sped up. And underneath of you, the city was just being built. Like the city was, the, the city was, you know, it was already there, but it was like rapidly getting higher and expanding and stuff. You have a look around because like this is, th- this is a thing that happened in a dream, right? This, this exact layout of this land should not exist. And you have a look around and you realize that there's like, it's kind of overgrown now, but there's actually a small path that like just and it's just a path from like someone using it and overusing it right and so it's still overgrown now but there's definitely a path that leads off to what might be a cave there's like two sort of rocks that sit in an, in an s shape that if you went around the first one you could probably find more like not far from here frankie follows that path but doesn't like say hey i'm gonna follow this path because he's just like now laser focused on what is this roll me an investigation check that's a 26 Karen has, while these guys have been reminiscing and remembering, Karen has been eating a fistful of green grass. Yeah. <laughs> and she is desperately hoping that the skeleton man who melted on the cliff didn't melt and create this grass. Yeah. And she's frowning the whole time she's eating it because she's like, man, this better not, this better not be dead man grass. Congratulations for remembering to eat grass this time. Yay! <laughs> So we're kind of in an alpine territory, right? So like it's more like tundra sort of space, but there it's not green grass, but it, I'll still say like the grass that grows here is still enough to recharge the recharge the ring of the You rain. did say over I waited until you said overgrown and yeah. I was like, "Oh yeah." Cool. <laughs> There's um, grass here. Whilst keeping Frankie in my line of sight, can I search around the outcropping where I saw the man sitting? Yeah, absolutely. You you want me an investigation check as well. 14. You don't get much. You get what looks like some scraping, some scrape marks, like some scratch marks on the rock where the skeleton once was as though it was dragged away. Oh. Frankie, you make your way, and like I said, there's there's two rocks and they're kind of set up in an S shape. And as you get closer, you realize that, yeah, there's actually like a path here. Like if you were to go through, there is probably a cave behind the second part of the S shape. Because you got so high with your investigation, you catch like a tiny bit of light on one of the rocks and you realize that there's there's some kind of like magical glyph or something imprinted onto one of the rocks that you would have to walk past and because of the shape of the two rocks, you wouldn't be able to give it very much space to get past it. You got a detect magic on you? Does anybody have a, do you have a detect magic on you, Flynn? I have a dispel magic. (laughs) 
have a look. That's why you would want to turn off a glyph if, if you wanted to yeah. turn it off. If you wanted to turn it off, what that's if great. What if open, open glyph, like an automatic door you walk past? It, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's why the detect- it's, it's an automatic door. <laughs> that's why the detect magic is good first. Yeah. Roll me a arcana check, because we've not really talked about glyphs before. You've, you've, you would have only read about them in books, so just give me a quick arcana check to tell me what you would know about glyphs. That's a 22. Yeah. I do go to university. Yeah. Well, you, you applied for university. I applied. I thought I was already going. I think you got accepted, but then we went to do this instead. Yeah, yeah. So, so next next semester. Yeah. You know. You're t- you're t- you're enrolled in university. I'm enrolled. Okay, so what you know about glyphs? They are kind of like magical like symbols that are placed onto surfaces. That usually the idea is that when something triggers it, and all of them have different types of triggers, when something triggers it, it will produce an effect. Sometimes the effect can be like a damage effect. Sometimes the effect could be something else. What you're getting from the size of this one, you wouldn't have even noticed it if you weren't such a smart boy. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like a little like, you know how sometimes you see like, a, like a, a spider web in the light and it's just like a small little bit. Like that's what you can see only in some parts on each end of this rock. And it's kind of small. Frankie's going to take this time before he walks past it to just in case activate his shield and breastplate. Is Frankie going to tell any t- yeah. any of us what's going on or is he just going to walk past a potentially dangerous glove? I feel like Frankie wouldn't tell because he'd be too like focused on okay yeah do this do this and oh yeah science oh yep 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 and he's got the mathematical equations going on <laughs> he's, like, he's, yes. he's in his mind palace. Uh, yes he is. So Frankie is going to wave his hand past it. Sure. You hear a voice. And it says, I'm sorry, but this is an important historical site. Off limits to wandering vagrants. Step no further, lest you cause damage to yourselves and what lies within. Frankie, what was that? Over. I'm going to hurry over. Nothing, yeah. don't worry about it. No, no, no. I, we're coming. Idafa, come on. Frankie jumps like... Oh. <laughs> I'm just like, but I wanted to talk to the like, lizard. No, like, off the, off to the, like, like <laughs> Okay, yeah. Into. Nothing else happens. Oh. Do you peer around the rest of the, like, the other part of the S-Bend? Yeah. Further in, the cave opens up a little bit into a cozy but dilapidated home space. There's a makeshift bed in one corner, a small cooking space near the ventilation of the entrance. It's kind of littered with little hand-carved trinkets everywhere, like some of the stone has been carved into little shelves. Uh, And across every wall, the rock has been, like, turned into bookshelves. Every square inch of rock or stone houses hundreds and hundreds of handbound books. Frankie just calls out, it's okay, I'm alive. It was just just a, war- a verbal warning no one listens to. It's uh, okay. Yeah, Karen bustles straight past the glyph and oh, she's you like... Hear, you yeah. hear the message again. She's I'm like, sorry, but this is an important historical site. Off limits to wandering vagrants. Step no further, lest you cause damage to yourselves and what lies within. She can barely hear it because she's yelling, Frankie, who are you talking to? Frankie's just investigating now the books. Okay. Uh, so you, this... you step in further? Yeah. Okay. Going in. Frankie, uh, so the... Frankie, is this someone's house? Okay, so it's dilapidated, <laughs> so it's like very long time since someone was last is this here. Someone's, is this someone's very dirty house? Frankie, as soon as you step further into the into the space, you hear the voice again, and it says, I told you this was not a space for wandering and looting. I'll be there momentarily to dissuade you. In the meantime, these guards will stop you from touching anything. <laughs> and at those words, two of the trinkets on the shelves begin to grow, <gasps> blocking your access to the exit. 
Meanwhile, Ido's actually just waiting because he really wants to speak to the lizard folk. <laughs> oh my god! Just yeah. Like, Frank is still, Frank is done. Oh no! Like, I, oh, feel like, I feel like I feel like we've got two inside and two outside. <laughs> you certainly do. Yeah. So Karen, <laughs> Karen is at the, the entrance. Frankie's all the way inside. The trinkets grow swiftly into armored quadrupeds. Oh. Like stout, bulky dogs. However, at the neck or the lack of a neck is where the similarity to a dog ends. Instead of a head. The front end of the, of the torso simply opens up into like a round mouth filled with sharp teeth and from that maw extends a long spiky prehensile tongue. The two beasts growl at you and begin to approach. Roll for initiative. Kia ora, Penny here. Hope you're enjoying the beginning of Arc 8. Let's uh, do some quick messages and then we'll get back to the episode. It is April and we're currently accepting applications for players and DMs for the Yes and Charity Stream, a 24-hour D&D live stream we do once a year to raise money for charity. If you are a New Zealander of any description and you would like to be involved in our efforts to raise $20,000 for the Cancer Society, please send an email to yesandcharitystream at gmail.com. You'll get an automatic response straight away. Just have a read and follow the instructions to apply. If you want to be part of doing something nice while playing D&D, get your application in before April 30 because that's when we stop taking them. Thank you to our JBPC patrons for being here and supporting our show releases. James Courtright, Samsara, Anonymous Comrade, Viva La Revolution, Claire McDonald, Jules Bergeser, Violet, Shubnali, Alex Moore, Lyndon Hood, Jesse Wesson, Disturbed1NZ, Andrew Evans, Ludacris, and William Evans. This week's bonus content for you shows the joys of DMing for the easily distracted. If you're curious about our bonus content or you would like to become a supporter of the terrible adventures of the Janison Breffitt's Parchment Company, go check out patreon.com slash jbpcpodcast. There are multiple tiers with lots of different rewards you can unlock and I'm making more of an effort to post exclusive content over there. At the moment, we're putting up moments that we recorded but couldn't put in the public release, JBPC's blooper reels and After Dark's spicy content. Music credits thanks to King Canyon for Mulholland, Reed Mathis for Climbing, Kevin McLeod for Covert Affair, Telecasted for Lonely Day, Chris Hagen for Glacier, Akash Gandhi for Zaman Movement of Earth, Audio Nautics for Hero and Peril, Kevin McLeod for Firebrand, and Jesse Gallagher for Spirit of Fire. As always, our social media pages are facebook.com slash Podcast and at jbpcpodcast on Twitter. Keep an eye out on the Kiwi RPG hashtag for all sorts of things that Kiwi creators like us are doing with their projects. And if you are a Kiwi RPG creator, come and join Kemu Fakato o Aotearoa to find a great community of game designers, podcasters, and streamers. Next episode, Hearth and Wellbeing, part two, will be out in two weeks on April 30th. In the meantime, please take care of yourselves and we'll see you back again then. That is all for today. Let's get back to the adventure. Uh-huh, I also got uh-huh, a natural uh-huh. 20. Three natural 20s for initiative? Why are we rolling so weird today? <laughs>
Yeah. Well, I got 10. <laughs> uh, we got a 17 and a 1. I want to roll a 24. A hit. Okay, so out of the three of you who got 20, what is your actual score? 20. 24. 22. Flynn, you are probably 20 feet from the opening of the cave. And Idafa, you are probably 30 feet from the opening yep. of the cave. So, Frankie, these two, like, big, scary dogs with big, spiky tongues, uh, like, both approaching you. It is Flynn's turn. Flynn, you can hear some kind of noise happening from where Karen just ran in, but you don't have any more information than that. What do you do? So, first of all, I'm going to hurry into the situation. Okay, you get to a point where you are about halfway around the S-Bend, so you can't, at the moment, you don't have line of sight to either of these creatures. Or Frankie, but you can see Karen. I can move 25 feet. Yeah, so the, the the 25 feet would get you to the second part of the... Do I notice, do I pass the glyphy thing? Yes, and it makes that... It says the same message to you as you pass. You can see Karen, but you can't see Frankie, and you can't see the creatures. I'm going to send Welby in and have a look to show me what's there. Okay, that's fair. Welby's going to fly in invisibly. He can see the entire scene, the dilapidated home space, all the books. Frankie on the other side of these two big creatures that are approaching him. And he sends you back, like, one of those emojis that's like... <laughs> I'm going to send him the person, like, that's out of breath, like... You can talk to him with your regular language. <laughs> oh, you don't I have to like send him back. emojis. I like sending him back little okay. as well. <laughs> so you're going to send him an exasperated sigh? Because <laughs> the theory is that if I talk to him back in his visual imagery with my words, it'll help him learn more. I'm toddlering him. Is Welby going to make a move? Yeah. What's he going to do? I want him to do ethereal breath until I get there. Okay, can you... So what does euphoria breath do? What's what's my save or whatever? Is it a tap roll save? Wisdom saving throw. Okay. What's the size of the breath? Like, is there a cone? Or like, what, what does it say in terms of, like, how much space you can hit with one of the attacks? The target. Okay, one target. That would be a nine to save? No, it has to pass an 11. Cool, so we've got one fail on one of them. So it can't take reactions. It must roll a d6 at the start of each of its turn to determine its behavior during the turn. Okay, I'm going to mark that for the second one that has the lower initiative, but that is fine. Just remind me when we get to the one that goes after Idafa. Okay, cool. Cool. Anything else you'd like to do with your turn? I just want to get my sword out. Okay, cool. You've got a bonus action, so you could use a bonus action spell or you could use Bardic Inspiration. Oh, I can see Karen. Yes, you can see Karen. I will yell full to Karen. Karen, go manage this situation. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And so I'm pretty sure your Bardic Inspiration is a D10 now. It's a yeah. D10, wow. Yep, one D10. Okay, so Karen now has a Bardic Inspiration and I'm pretty sure you can add that to a D20 roll or damage. Next up, Frankie. So Frankie's going to step up and be like, eh, God, why didn't I listen to the warnings? And he's going to cast Ray of Sickness. And how he casts that is he sort of puts his hand up to his mouth and coughs, but like he leaves it open a little bit. So he coughs through it and sprays Ray of Sickness. So a ray of sickening greenish energy lashes out towards a creature within range. The range is 60 feet. Are you going to go for the same creature or the other creature that will be hit with his breath? The other creatures. Attack against the target on a hit. Uh, creature. The target takes two 
d8 poison damage and must make a constitution saving throw on a failed save it is also poisoned until the end of my next turn okay so go ahead and roll me that attack roll i rolled a 27 to hit 27 does hit 16 poison damage. So a Canalith is actually immune to poison damage and the condition oh, be of being poisoned. I figured. Oh, damn it. JK, JK. JK. It's okay. It's okay. Because I could bonus action. Oh, wait, no. I, I would have cast a spell, so I can't do that cantrip. It's fine. You can do a cantrip as a bonus action if you've cast a spell. Oh. You can There's only no cantrips do that are bonus actions, yeah. though. Yeah. You can, you can. There is. Which, Which cantrip one? is a bonus action? Magic stone. Oh, yeah, okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's why I was and picking up, up some stones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I touch one to three pebbles and imbue them with magic. You or someone else can make a ranged spell attack with one of the pebbles by throwing it or hurling it with a sling. If thrown, the range is 60 feet. If s- Is it concentration? No. Okay. Next up is Karen. So the one that Welby has sprayed with the euphoria spray what is what has happened to that one it's it, it can't take reactions so it's kind of dazed and it can't take reactions okay and how far away from each other are they they are 10 feet apart the okay. closest one is 10 feet from you the other okay. one would be 20 feet from you okay okay what i'm going to do is i'm going to use my bonus action to rage okay karen rages immediately pouncing forward to the closest beastie. Oh, that's the one that wasn't hit by the Euphoria Breath? Yep. Yep. She attacks. With which weapon? The Temperate Great Axe. Okay. With a natural 20. Natural which 20 is definitely a hits. critical hit. And you've got you've got extra dice for brutal, brutal critical as well. Oh baby, I do. How many extra dice do you get at this level? I definitely have one. So you've got three D12s to roll, so go ahead. So the three D12s plus seven plus the Bardic Inspiration. And that is 25, a 19 to hit for the second hit. 19 hits. That's just eight slashing damage. So that's a total of 33 slashing damage. Total of 33 slashing damage. All right. The first Canalith is gonna go first. It is gonna make a multi-attack. So the first is gonna use its tongue attack. Then it's gonna use it on Frankie. So it's a plus seven to hit. 13 plus 7 is 20. Meat speeds. This is going to be 1d12 plus 4 piercing damage and 2d6 acid damage. What is that all in total, please? Uh, 21. And because you're medium or smaller, you are now grappled by the tongue, and it's going to pull you all the way towards it, and then it's going to hit you with a claw attack. 13 plus 7, so 20 again. 1d6 plus 4 slashing. 8 slashing damage and 2d8 force damage. 10 force damage as well and you are now grappled in this thing's tongue it is going to turn around and walk towards the entrance so it's going to walk out off karen's no it's not okay yeah no it's not i use my reaction to hit it cool sentinel baby let's do it bugger 13 <laughs> 13 does not hit no i didn't think it would so you you know you do your two big attacks it like frog grabs frankie and then kind of just punches him a little bit and then it's just going to turn around and it's going to walk out sees you Flynn and like it's just gonna like barge past you using its filled movement and it's gonna drop Frankie outside the door so one of them is now in the entrance next up is gonna be Idafa I can't see any of this can I you can now see the one that just went to the door and dropped Frankie oh okay how close oh this wouldn't be that close to us say the lizard folk they wouldn't have moved far you don't know where the lizard folk guy is last time you saw him he was down the hill from you 
And I can't see him anymore. You can't see him now, no. Okay. But you can see both Frankie, who looks a bit worse for wear, and this big, ugly monster creature who had him wrapped up in its, his spiky tongue, just like drop him on the ground. Oh my god. I, as, as I hear this, my head swivels around. I'm like, oh my god, Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> so I'm about 30 feet from the entrance, aren't I? Yes, that's right. Cool. I am going to hide behind a rock that I'm near. Okay. Yep. Bonus section. Yep. And then I am going to throw my dagger. Okay. Cool. Roll me an attack roll with advantage. 14. 10 does not hit. Dang. Okay. Okay. Cool. The other one is going to go next. So this is the one that's affected by euphoria breath. So what do I have to do? You have to roll a d6. I got a one. Between one and four, the target takes no action or bonus action and uses all of its movement to move in a random direction. Cool. Okay. So um, this is going to be funny because it's going to probably do more damage to the space it's trying to protect. Oh, no. So it's going to use all of its movement to move west, which is like across... If we imagine that the end with the bed is north and the the end with the door is south, it's going to go west, so it's going to go across to the side with the door and just start, like, trying to move up the bookshelves and all the books are going to, like, fall down and come off the the wall. Flynn, you're up. My first call was, like, let's burn this bitch with heat metal. (laughs) But seeing that it dropped Frankie out, I'm actually going to try and do dispel magic on the ward anyway now that we've moved past it still. Okay. And hope for the best, because... Dispel magic would need to. Can you read me dispel magic? Because I'm pretty sure that there's a rolling rule for if you're trying to dispel something that's a higher level than than dispel magic itself. Any spell of third level or lower on the target ends. For each spell that is four level or higher, an ability check using your spellcasting ability. The DC equals ten plus the spell's level. Okay, so roll me a DC twelve charisma check. 16. This passes. So you are able to turn off the glyph that makes the voice happen. It does not affect the canalith itself, but as the canalith was walking past, the voice itself did start to play and it just sort of shorts out. Okay. Bonus actions. I'm going to communicate with Welby again. Yep. Recharge 5 to 6. What does that mean? On Welby's turn, which is now, you got to roll a d6, and if you get a 5 or a 6, then he is allowed to use a euphoria breath again. Oh, I want to do that. Nice! <laughs> That's six. Okay, cool. Euphoria Breath is recharged. Perfect. So on Welby's turn, I'd like to use Euphoria Breath. So you can target the other one if he flies back out and goes for the one that dropped off Frankie. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it's a saving throw, yes? Yep. It needs to beat 11 Wisdom. So Canaliths have an ability called Magic Resistance. They have advantage on saving throws against spells and magical effects. Oh. 16 plus 3, 19. Yeah, that passes. Yeah, so he he flies past you. He uses the Euphoria Breath again on the one that just dropped Frankie, but it has no effect. Flynn, you are currently sitting at the top airspend that would lead you into the main room. Are you using any of your movement? Yeah. I want to go find out why these things didn't turn off. Okay, so you're going further in? Yeah, and I'm going to... But I'm going to look as I go along... What is your passive perception? It's 16. Because you just use, I'll give you this because you just used your action on a glyph, you can see another one like that is quite a bit larger on the floor in the center of the room. Okay. You would guess, Frankie would need to confirm it, but Frankie probably walked over it in order to activate it. Okay. Next up is going to be Frankie. So I'm going to cast Firebolt at the one that dropped me off. Oh yeah, okay, it's right next to you, so it's a point blank hit, so go ahead. You're you're sitting on your butt right now, right next to it, so like you could literally just you know straight down the throat. I'm gonna say you've got advantage on this attack because it's it's point blank. Good, good, good. Uh, So that's 24 to hit. 24 does hit. And that is 
20 fire damage. Oof. Okay, yeah, you, you, I'm going to say you hit him and the firebolt goes in his mouth. Enjoy your reflex. <laughs> Any other actions you'd like to do? You're currently prone, so you need to use half your movement to stand. Frankie will use half his movement to stand. Okay. And, and that's it. He's, he's not going to do anything else. So you're going to stay right there within melee range of it? I mean, he'll probably back up a little bit. It does not use its reaction to take an attack of opportunity against you. you yep. As long as you're moving away from the entrance, yes? Yes. Cool. It doesn't, it doesn't try to hit you again. So there's one at the entrance. Yeah. There's one trying to scrabble up a bookcase. Yeah. Flynn is in between the one at the entrance and Karen. He's at the top, yes, Ben. So he can see both the entrance and you at the Okay. And I can't see the one that dropped Frankie off. No, it's like out the other side of the desk. That is bad for it because Karen is not doesn't know what happened. Yeah. So she's going to sprint past Flynn. Okay. And try to hit it continuing raging and trying to hit the one at the entrance again. Cool. Go ahead, Robbie's attack rolls. That's another natural twenty. Holy <laughs> holy moly. <laughs> Okay, so roll me 3d12 damage. As Karen brings the temperate great axe down, it sizzles with a magical fire. I'm going to add 1d6 fire damage to this attack. Damn. 19 slashing damage and 2 fire damage. Cool, and then another attack. And then my second attack, 18 to hit. 18 does hit. 14 slashing damage. It looks pretty hurt now. Good. Yeah. She's been, she was trying to, if I can, add a bit of flavour, she's trying to chop its tongue off because that's the bit that hurt Frankie. Okay, yeah, its tongue's pretty long and prehensile, so yeah. you can swing at it over the top. You take a big chunk out of it, but you don't dismember it. It does look pretty hurt, though. Next up is the is this one. Um, it's going to turn around and it's going to try and hit you with its tongue attack, Karen. So 15 plus 7. Yeah, that sure does. Cool, so you're going to take 1d12 plus 4 piercing damage and 2d6 acid damage. I will... Because I am a raging, I will take half of that. Uh, so that is eight piercing damage, half to four, cool. and six acid damage. Lovely. You are now grappled, so it is now going to use claw attack against you, which it misses, and it's going to then basically use its tongue to bring you over to its front side and just like drop you next to Frankie, and then it's going to turn around and use a movement to go back in. So you now have an attack of opportunity if you want. Absolutely, I do. 17 plus 9. 17 plus 9 does hit. Does Frankie get an attack of opportunity too? Yes, Frankie, you can have an attack of opportunity. Okay. You can throw one of your magic stones at it. Okay, yes. Uh, Karen got 10 slashing damage and she stops the creature. Okay, cool. Yeah, so 10. Frankie's for flavor. To activate his magic stone, he has to lick the stone. Okay. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> We're bad at science. <laughs> science. Uh, that's 21 to hit, and that's 7 damage, so he licks the stone, and he's like, <laughs> Okay, what it does is when you hit it with the stone, it shrivels up and turns back into a little figurine. Ooh. Oh, pretty you did it! <laughs> Yay, power of saliva! <laughs> Idafa, you caught all of that, because that's happening in the entrance to the cave. It's now your turn. So I have no idea if there's more than one. So I'm like, oh, thank God they killed that one. So I'm going to turn around um, oh. <laughs> and my, and my, because I'm like behind a rock at the moment. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to use just roll perception to see if I can perceive that lizard folk. Roll me perception. And because you knew he was coming, uh, oh, you can have advantage on that. Cool, thank you. Unnatural 20. You do see him. He's on that big goat. 
and he's still got his telescope and he's like looking around and he sees you at the same time that you see him and he looks a bit nervous but he hops off of his goat i like hold my hand up and wave i'm like hey really unsure but he waves back at he's you he's tentative he does start heading towards you cool all right anything else you like to do with your turn nope that's it it is now the second one's turn he is going to try and so first of all he's going to try and break the euphoria oh wait no because it lasts for a minute if it works so i'm going to roll a d6 to see what he gets to do it's a one again so he makes no action and he's going to use all of his movement to travel in a direction northeast he he like runs now and absolutely like with his big claws just shreds the bed oh my god that was in the, that was in the like northeast corner and he's like running have you ever seen like a video game character just walk towards a wall? Yes. Just, yeah, he's doing that, but, but his feet aren't sliding. They are shredding the bed. <laughs> <laughs> that is the end of the round. And Flynnvar, you notice that another figurine in the room is starting to grow. Oh my god. Okay. But it is not a canalith figure. Whoa, what does it kind of look like? Roll me a position check. That's a nine. All you can tell is that it's humanoid. It's like two arms, two legs. Flynn is going to use my movement to run and then do like a dramatic dive and like slap his hand on the gif even though he could have done it within reach okay i want to cast i'm gonna try again to cast a spell magic okay cool yeah roll me a dc 12 charisma check six you try to dispel it like you did with the other one and it resists your attempts to do so and you get the feeling that maybe it's because it's currently active with one of the canaliths in the room that it's kind of resist your attempts to turn it off you does well be going to take any action with his turn can he preventively use before a breath on the little he needs to recharge it first so you got to roll a five or a six on a decent six yeah cool he has recharged his euphoria breath so i'm like like I just lay on the floor on my back because I did a dramatic slide even though I didn't need to he was just panicking um, <laughs> like holding his head and like willing him to like breathe on this figurine because he's I don't know what's coming out of it the one that's growing yep yeah okay there is no effect oh. it's not a creature yet and he just makes like a confused squeak like <laughs> yeah he sends you a little question mark okay and he's gonna go invisible again and then a little and then a little man with its hands on its hips <laughs> and I'm like Ugh. that next up is Frankie and then Karen so we are outside the cave now, right? You are in the... Oh, well, Frankie's a little behind you, right. but you are like in the entrance to the cave. Okay. It would just be 15 feet of movement to get back to where right. you can see everything. And we know that Flynn is inside. Yes. And we we know that there's a monster in there. Yes. Okay. But you also know that the only thing that the monster tried to do was pick you up and kick you out. But it hurt. Yeah, it really mm, hurt. Mm, <laughs> <laughs> Frankie's going to go back in. Okay, cool. <laughs> He's going to be like, hmm. You go 15 feet, or well, actually 20 because you backed up. You go 20 feet inside. You can now see the entire room. You can see Flynnvar in the center kind of tried to touch the glyph. And you can see the remaining canalith in the northeast corner walking towards the wall. And like, you, like its claws are just like tearing the bed apart. You can see another figurine that looks like a humanoid growing. I want to meet this person. What? It could be for science. You could also just kill them. Oh. Or just be like, hey, I'm just going to snoop around. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Frankie, guess until the humanoid person actually grows and is is ready. Frankie is going to attack the, the last creature that's digging at the wall with Firebolt. Okay. Roll me an attack roll. 16. 16 hits. 19 fire damage. Yeah, you hit it in the butt. 
you, luckily you're right on target so you don't accidentally burn anything in the room. Oh, lucky. Anything else you'd like to do with your turn? You could just move out of the way so that Karen could get past you. Yeah. It wouldn't be the first time that Karen's come like barreling into a room and just like low tackled you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Frankie eventually learned to, oh wait, no. Speaking of which, Karen, it is your turn. Yeah, speaking of which, Karen charges back into the cave. Cool, you can see the same thing that Frankie could see. I'm going to grapple the figure. I'm going to grab the figure. Okay, it's just a little toy, so you just pick it up. Yeah, I am I grab it. Cool, you're now holding a little figurine. Roll me a quick investigation check. Seven. What you gather from a seven is that it's a blonde person wearing robes. That'd be a great time to, like, get the figurine and then cast Catapult and just... <laughs> <laughs> Bye. I turn to Frankie and I'm holding this figurine as it's growing in my hands. And I say, who's this little blonde guy? <laughs> okay, uh, anything else you'd like to do with your turn? That's it. Candle of Wine is dead. Idafa, you're up. The black armored dinosaur person, lizard folk, is approaching. Wicked, how close are they to me? Pretty close. Like, he, he got off his goat like 30 feet away. He's probably halfway to me. Okay. I can start a dialogue with a mage in yeah, return. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it will probably be not more than six seconds of talking. Yeah, I'll be like, hey, notice that you were spying on her. Great start. <laughs> and and I roll me a persuasion check. And while I say that, I point at his telescope, which I assume is like hanging by his side or something. When you say this, are you accusatory or are you just sort of like just kind of making it? Yeah, just breaking the ice. Okay, yeah. roll me a persuasion check. Eighteen. The second Kenneth is going to try to break the. He's euphoria breath. What do I get for a two? Same thing, right? Yes. He goes from like moving into the northeast corner to now just trying to go straight north. The bed is shreds now. It is it is done. That's the end of the round. And we're going to break initiative now as the figurine finishes growing to its full size and begins to hover in the air. And you look up at it and you realize that Master Speck is here. for listening to the episode but I, I actually have to go they're leaving and I can't lose them just follow any warnings and stay out of dangerous places look sorry I really I really do have to go goodbye